This Rarecast is made possible by Global Genes, a leading education and advocacy organization that serves and promotes the needs of patients and families touched by rare and genetic disease. Since 2009, Global Genes has been building awareness, developing patient-focused education and advocacy tools, and funding patient care programs and critical research. To learn more, go to globalgenes.org. I'm Daniel Levine, and this is Rarecast. Carly Hamilton was diagnosed at age two with the degenerative neuromuscular disease, spinal muscular atrophy. Though she wanted to be a mother once she got married, she feared passing the disease on to a child. She and her husband had genetic counseling to see if he was a carrier, but when her best friend became pregnant and told her that it was the hardest thing she had ever done and didn't think Hamilton would be able to do it, she and her husband figured they would adopt. Nevertheless, Hamilton soon learned she was pregnant, and today her daughter is two. Hamilton, who has chronicled her pregnancy and motherhood on Instagram, discussed what pregnancy was like, how she handles the physical demands of motherhood, and what advice she would offer other SMA patients thinking of becoming pregnant. Carly, thanks for joining us. Yes, I'm super excited to be here, Danny. Thank you so much for having me. We're going to talk about spinal muscular atrophy, motherhood, and your own journey as someone with SMA through pregnancy and into motherhood. Let's start with SMA. For people not familiar with the condition, what is it? Yeah, so SMA um, SMA is short for spinal muscular atrophy. It is a type of muscular dystrophy. There are um, multiple types. They are trying to move away from, you know, classifying things as types because it's changed so much like when I was diagnosed I was diagnosed when I was two years old um and when I was diagnosed they said oh I have SMA or she has SMA type 2 um but I was able to walk and now as I'm older and they learn they've learned more about spinal muscular atrophy um I'm now considered type 3 because I I have been able to walk um I am still able to walk a little bit but um, but basically, spinal muscular atrophy is a deterioration of the muscles. You're lacking the protein, um, the SMN1 protein. So, I mean, that gets a little more technical. But SMA, essentially, in easy terms, uh, is a de- deterioration of the muscles and the lack to, to build those muscles up. And, and how has the condition manifested itself and progressed for you? Yeah. So, I've actually had a very interesting journey with spinal muscular atrophy. So, um, I am the youngest of, well, I'm the youngest of a blended family. <laughs> so, uh, technically there's five of us, but on my mom's side, there's three, including me. And then my dad's side, there's three, including me. So, um, I'm sorry. Yeah, that's right. So, um, I am the youngest either way. And when I was younger, um, my mom could tell that there was just something a little off. Um, when I would, I went from nothing, so no crawling and then straight to walking. So I never crawled. And then when I did walk, 
Um, for those people who aren't familiar with SMA, people who are ambulatory, they tend to have a certain walk, right? So it has a little bit of a sway. Um, so my mom could tell that I walked a little bit differently. And whenever I would go to step off of a curb, I would tend to fall a lot. And so call it mother's intuition, whatever it may be. Um, she just knew something was 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 wrong. So she started taking me to a couple of different doctors. I was born in 1992. Um, back then, they didn't know a whole lot about SMA. So my mom took me to a bunch of different doctors. And they just said, you carried her breech. It's her hip. She'll grow out of it. Don't worry about it. It's nothing. And um, my mom said that one day she was just in the bath with me. And she was, you know, as we do, I don't know if it, people out here have children. If you do, um, you know, you know, you you love on them. So she was just rubbing my back and she was rubbing her finger up and down my spine. And she said that she just had a feeling that it was something like neurological. Um, so she took me up to, I'm in Utah. So she took me up to primary children's and within, um, minutes of me walking in or her walking in the doctor that I was meeting with the neurologist, um, Dr. Lynn Kerr, she took one look at me and was like, I'm pretty sure I know what's, what it is. I think she has SMA. We're going to do some testing. So they did a, a muscle biopsy because that's what they did back then. And, um, took a little piece of my muscle out of my leg and tested it and, um, you know, I was diagnosed with spinal muscular atrophy. Um, my mom um, was basically a single mom. So you hear me talk about my mom a lot. She, um, my parents separated when I was eight, but my dad was in the picture a whole lot. My mom really is, um, is my cheerleader. She, she went through a lot with me. So she um, kind of got this diagnosis back in uh, 19, in the 1990s. They, this diagnosis was, basically a death sentence, right? They told my mom, okay, your daughter's not going to live to see her fifth birthday. You go home, you enjoy her where you can. Um, she, you know, you don't have much time with her. So she, she took that and she, she took me home and she tried to give me the best life I could. She never let my disability get in the way. Um, you know, I was out there ice skating, I was doing all these things. And obviously it looked way, 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 way different for me. Um, but she wanted me, you know, to have a full life if I wasn't going to have that much time. So I grew up, you know, not thinking, you know, too much of it. Um, I got my first wheelchair when I was eight years old. Um, just a manual chair to help me once I started kind of going, um, getting a little bit more tired, you know, walking to school from school. I was pretty much ambulatory at that point, though. So I still use my wheelchair a little bit, but not too much. And then um, when I went to junior high, that's when I got my first electric wheelchair, uh, you know, pushing myself up and down those long halls because you're not just in one class anymore. Um, it just wasn't going to happen. So we got my first electric wheelchair when I went into junior high. And, you know, from, from junior high really up until pretty recently, um, in the last couple of years, I was pretty, um, pretty stable, I would say. I used my wheelchair for sure, but I didn't use it very much. When I got home, I would park my wheelchair and try to walk around as much as I could. I went off to the University of Utah. I lived on my own. Um, I was able to get in and out of bed on my own. So I basically was, uh, I still struggled and I had my different way of doing things, but I still was pretty ambul ambulatory. Um, after I graduated college, I moved up to San Diego or out to San Diego and, um, 
even then it was really, really great. I met my husband out there at our church and then we moved back to Utah. And, um, again, I, I was still doing pretty good. I was starting to see a little bit more of a decline. Um, I think just like a gradual decline from like, obviously high school to, you know, getting older, there was a gradual decline, but nothing too major. And then, um, back in 2019, I found out I was pregnant and, um, you know, it was, it was honestly a very scary time. It was not planned. And so it was kind of scary for me because I was like, okay, you know, what does this mean for my disability and the progression? Um, unfortunately it has meant quite a bit of a decline in my mobility. I, um, after I had my daughter B, her name is B. Um, I was a stay-at-home mom for the first year. And I, so because I had a newborn and, um, I didn't want to like stand up and fall and then not be able to get back up, um, when she was like over, you know, in the other room or whatever it may be, I relied more heavily on my wheelchair. And (laughs) I always say with SMA, you, you use it or you lose it. So, um, because I think I relied a little bit more on my chair and I had gained, you know, baby weight, I think the combination of some weight gain and, and not being as active, it really kind of progressed, um, my SMA. And so it's been quite a bit of an adjustment. It's been actually kind of, um, you know, I mean, it's kind of both, it's, you know, it's a double-edged sword, I guess. So I'm very grateful that I had as many years as I was, you know, being ambulatory, but it's hard, you know, to adjust from being really, really independent, doing things on my own to now like, okay, my husband has to help me go to the bathroom. My husband has to help me um, shower. You know, I have to do things on his time or if I need to go anywhere, I have to have somebody help me um, drive me. So it's been hard to kind of lose that independence. Um, Actually, it's been really hard to be completely honest, but I do find myself very grateful that I, that I am still here. I actually started treatment. Um, actually it's almost been a year in February. Now that's February, um, every's So I've been on every for about a year. Um, and I've seen some subtle gains, which is awesome. Um, and if anything, I haven't seen a decline. And I think that's the biggest thing to recognize since I've been on this treatment. There've been a significant number of advances around therapies for SMA you say using a VRISD, you're, you're able to benefit from that? Yeah. So several, yes, there are several, there are currently um, three treatments for SMA. There's Lgensma, Spinraza, and then Evrizdi. So I um, am not a candidate for Zolgensma. You do have to be a certain age and order and a certain type in order to qualify for Zolgensma. And then Spinraza I did try to get started on that. That was one first, a battle with insurance, of course, as always. Um, anybody with a chronic illness knows how complicated that can be. Um, and then so Evrizdi, uh, was again, back with the Spinraza, um, I actually have some rods in my spine. So we actually had um, some, some imaging done and they realized that they wouldn't be able to do the injections through the spine um, for Spinraza. So that also counted that one out. So when Evrizdi was approved, Evrizdi is an oral drug um, that I take daily. And so um, it's been great that that's even an option. A lot of people with SMA have a spinal fusion or, or some rods. And so, um, you know, it's been great to be able to just take the medicine orally. And for those who, um, you know, 
have feeding tubes, they have that. I believe they have that option as well. I, I don't personally have feeding tubes, so I'm not actually familiar with that. But Evrizi has been a really great opportunity to to be a part of. And, and has it slowed progression for you? I do think that it's slowed progression. I mean, that's always hard to say, right? Like, you don't know what you don't know. So had I been on it, I don't know what I would have lost. But um, I don't think that I've noticed any any losses. I have noticed some gains. Um, before I started taking the D, I was struggling a little bit more um, with some some arm strength. Um, and so I wasn't really, there was a time period where I wasn't really able to wash my own hair. Like my pub would have to, um, come in and wash and condition my hair. And, and after I was on a breezy for a little bit and kind of started working towards, um, gaining that muscle, um, strength back, I, I'm now able to wash my hair again on my own, which seems like something so little, but, um, again, for those who have chronic illnesses, it's those little things that, that count. So. You just indicated that uh, you were surprised to learn you were pregnant. My understanding was that you were planning to get pregnant and wanted to get pregnant. When did you first think about having a baby? I'm not sure where you heard it, but actually I was not planning on being a mom. Um, It was definitely not planned. Um, It's actually a fun story now that I look back at it, but I'm, you know, when me and my husband were dating, we had the conversation and, 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 you know, I was very candid. I told him, you know, there is a possibility and people are going to have their own opinions on this. But for me, with SMA being genetic, I knew that if I had the potential to pass this on to my child knowingly, I wouldn't feel comfortable with that. Now, people with SMA have, I'm in a forum on Facebook, people have their different opinions on that. Um, and it's not that having a disability is bad, um, but I just know the struggles and how hard things can be for myself. And I know that um, I'm on, I would say, for lack of better words or terminology, that I'm on the, the better end, right? I've had a really um, great experience, more or less, with SMA. And so I had that conversation with my husband, just said, you know, if we have a child and if she has the potential or he or she has the potential of having SMA, like, I don't think I want to have children, you know, biologically. Yeah, we can adopt, we can do other options. But, and so we had that conversation, you know, while we were dating, because I think it's very important for him to, you know, my significant other to be aware of that. Um, After we got married, we kind of, we kind of started doing a little bit more. So my husband is actually, he's a really, really great advocate. Um, for my personal experience, I had SMA. And so I, for me, it was one of those things where I had it, I didn't need to know the particulars, right? So um, once he and I started dating, he started asking me like a lot of questions, you know, about SMA. And I'm like, shoot, I don't know how to answer most of these questions, because I just, I knew I had it. and, And that's what it was. So um once we got married, we started looking into doing some genetic counseling so we could find out um, some family planning and stuff like that if we decided. So we met with a genetic counselor and I got genetically tested for the first time. I mean, I had my muscle biopsy when I was two, but um, technology had changed. So we did a we did a genetic test for me, confirmed I have SMA. Um, I have three copies of the SMN2 protein for those who are in the SMA community who know what that means. I have three copies of the SMN2. 
And then after that, we had my husband genetically tested to see if he was going to be a character, a character, a carrier. Um, with SMA, both parents typically do need to be carriers in order for the child to potentially have SMA. And so we had him tested. He fortunately came back that he was not a carrier, which gave us a lot of peace of mind knowing, okay, well, if we do have children, um, yes, they may be carriers, but they most likely won't be affected by it. So that was kind of the start of our family planning process. And that was, you know, a couple years ago. And then um, my best friend that I grew up with since elementary, she got pregnant and had her first baby. And I went down to visit her to see the new baby. And um, about a week after she had her, and my best friend looked at me and said, this was the hardest thing that I have ever done. And I don't think that you can do it, which sounds really, really harsh. And um, when I tell people this story, they're like, dang, what kind of friend is that? But I think she was really coming from a good place. Um, and so I took that and, you know, it was kind of heartbreaking, but I was like, okay, like she knows me. She, she She's who I moved to California with. She was like my, she is my best friend, you know? So I was like, okay, like I take it. So um, that night I went home to my husband and I just told him kind of what happened and what she said. And I was like, I just think that I've made the decision that we're just not going to have children biologically because I'm not willing to give up my um, independence and my mobility. And, you know, I I never really thought, well, I think with SMA too, like I never thought I was going to get married. Right. So um, I never thought I was going to get married. So I never really considered myself that I was going to be a mom. Cause I didn't even think I was going to get married. So it was never something like I grew up with, right. With that, with that idea that I wanted to be. Um, so I was just like, you know what, I'm fine. You know, it's fine to just be us two. And he was fine with that too. He's like, I would love to be a father, but obviously he knew what he was getting into. And so, um, that was on a Friday and, um, that Tuesday, uh, after I found out I was pregnant. So, well, well, you said, you said you had gone through some genetic counseling. Did you have any discussion with physicians or other women with SMA who had become pregnant? See, and that was like the hard thing now. And that was what made it really scary is, um, there was no whole lot of information about that. Um, now that I, now that I am a mom with SMA, there is quite a large group of SMA moms out there, um, which is amazing. But back then, like I, you know, I didn't have that network. I didn't know other women who had SMA that had children. And um, my neurologist, he only knew of one other person um, that had SMA that had a child and she had lived in Utah and then moved off. So he didn't even have connection with her anymore. And my neurologist, specializes in SMA. And so um, it was really kind of lonely. And when I um, ended up meeting with like an OBGYN, I I met with a high risk OB. She had no idea really what SMA was at all. You know, they made she may have heard of it when she was in medical school. But other than that, she really didn't know anything about it. So it was actually very kind of scary because no one had any information for me. And how challenging was the pregnancy itself? I mean, you've got a neuromuscular condition and I assume you had to carry a lot of additional weight. What was it like to go through that and how taxing was it on you physically? I loved being pregnant. Um, it was literally the best experience. Um, I think partially because, um, I mean, back to saying, you know, my friend saying there's, this is so hard, you're not gonna be able to do it. 
when I, when I went home and told my husband, I actually didn't think I was pregnant and I didn't have any, I really any reason to think I was. Um, so I took the pregnancy test, like kind of on a, on a whim. My friend was like, you know, you should take it. And I was like, and if I don't start, you know, my cycle here soon, then I'll take it. And, um, so I took it at work by myself without even telling my husband. And so when it came back positive, I was like, okay, well now I have to tell him in a fun way. So I told him that night. And, um, obviously the first question he asked was like, okay, are you scared? And my immediate answer was, yes, I'm terrified. And, um, I like, you know, I brought up what my friend had said and he was like, I want you to look at me and I want you to listen to me. You have been through so many hard things in your life because of SMA. This is going to be nothing to you. Um, you are going to be able to do this so well. Don't think about it being hard. Like, yes, it might be hard, but you can do hard things. You're going to come out of this on top. Um, we're very religious. And, you know, he told me, you know, Heavenly Father wouldn't give me anything that I wouldn't be able to handle. And so I really had that at that moment, I had the decision um, I could either go into my pregnancy with what my friend had said with, this is going to be the hardest thing, or I can go into it with what my husband said and I can handle this and I can do this. And I loved every minute of pregnancy. It was seriously so amazing. Um, especially because it was not something I thought I would ever experience myself. And so being able to, you know, fill her first kicks, go to those doctor's appointments, see those ultrasounds finding out the gender, everything about it was so, so amazing because I never, ever thought I would have that opportunity. It did get a lot harder the further on I got because I got much bigger. I got harder for my husband to help carry me and lift me because I had this giant belly. Um, it was harder to, to walk because I had to kind of balance out this giant belly. So I had to lean back more to so make sure I didn't fall forward, you know. So um, it did definitely did get harder the the further along in the pregnancy I got. Um, I delivered my daughter at um, 36 weeks. And for those who are unfamiliar with babies, you typically deliver at 40 weeks. So I delivered her um, there at 36. So four weeks early. So she was technically premature. Um, my OB really wanted to deliver her at 34 weeks, just because she knew it was going to get harder on me. But um, I really was like, no, I pushed for that 36 weeks. And I'm so glad because around the 32 week, I was like, okay, this is definitely getting harder. I was in a lot more pain, um, back pain. Again, it was harder for my husband to help me. So I, I was very grateful to be able to deliver her a little bit earlier. One thing I remember about parenting young children is that it was physically taxing. There's a lot of lifting involved, some chasing too, lots of running <laughs> around. How have you coped with the physicality of motherhood? Yeah, you know, the older she gets, obviously, the easier it gets, because um, she's a lot more mobile. That's, that's what you say now. Yeah, I know. No, she honestly, it is, Danny, it's amazing to see how she has adapted to me. Um, I always like prayed when I was pregnant, like this, I got to have an independent child, right? Um, I prayed a little too hard. <laughs> she's very, very independent for a two year old. Um, she, she's literally so, so sweet. She helps me put my shoes on. Um, she tries to help me put my pants on. Obviously she's tiny, so she can't really help me with that, but, um, she's really, really great. But when, at, when she was a newborn, you know, each stage has its challenges and it has its good things. So when she was a newborn, she slept a lot. So, um, and she was 
small and she was light. Um, she was born six pounds. So she was easier to, to manage because she was so, so light and so little. Um, and she slept a lot. So I didn't really need to do things. But when she kind of started getting around the six months to like a year where she wasn't really walking and not yet crawling, I think that's really when it, it was the hardest on me because I couldn't lift her up. I couldn't hold her. Um, I couldn't stand up and, and rock her, you know, ro- walking around. And um, she wanted daddy more than she wanted mom. And that was really, really hard. There was definitely many, many nights where I cried myself to sleep because I was like, oh my gosh, like, I'm not going to be that mom for her. I'm not going to have that bond with her. She doesn't want me to ever hold her because it's different. Um, she wants daddy to hold her and, and rock her and, and bounce her and different things like that. Um, but like I said, now as she gets older, we have like a different bond. Like she learned how to crawl up onto my, onto my lap. Um, so she knows how to climb up on my lap. She sits on my footrest. Basically her sitting on my footrest is equivalent to like me carrying her. Um, you know, when she wants me to hold her, she doesn't want me to physically hold her, but she wants me to have her on my, on my, on my footrest. So, um, Luckily, I have a very nice wheelchair that keeps up with her. And, um, you know, like I said, it, it has definitely gotten easier because she is more independent. She definitely knows that um, I'm different. She doesn't know any different, right? She doesn't know moms aren't normally in wheelchairs. But if I drop something, she's right there. She picks it up for me without me even asking. So I've been very, very lucky to have a daughter who is so intuitive at such a young age. And do you require help or support as you care for her? Um, no, I don't actually. So for the first year of her life, I was able to be a stay-at-home mom, which I never thought I would be able to do. We kind of had the um, the plan to have my husband be the stay-at-home parent and I'd go back to work. But um, obviously I had some time off for maternity and it worked out fine. So the first year I was able to be a stay-at-home mom, we just kind of figured out different ways uh, to handle things. There's some things out there. There's, we call it, uh, or it's a wild bird sling. That's the one that I use. It's a brand. Um, they use it for baby carrying. I learned how to use that basically as like a seat belt. So I put B on my lap and then wrap this wrap around us. And so basically would strap her to me. Um, I got this like giant pack and play. We would put it up on the coffee table and on the couch. So she could sit in there and play, but if she was on the ground, I wouldn't be able to get her off the ground, right? So um, we definitely had a lot of different things set up in our house to make it a little bit easier for me to to be a mom to her. Um, so yeah, we, we just kind of had to think of different ways to, to adapt. Before doing this interview, I looked at some of the literature around this. There's not been a lot of studies of pregnancy and SMA, but Mm -hmm. one small study indicated uh, the women had generally positive experiences and most said they would do it again. Would you do this again? Yeah, I would for sure do it again. I really, really loved, um, like I said, being pregnant. I loved the experience that I had a C-section. It was um, obviously a scheduled C-section. I had to be put out um, under general anesthesia, which was kind of its own scary um thing having giving birth but um obviously there's some things to consider I would love when I think about it like I'd be like yeah like I would love to have another child 
But then when I think of like having to care for a baby and a toddler, I, I don't know if I'm necessarily down for that. So we, we, we do go back and forth though, between my husband and I We're okay, do we want another one? Or are we good with our daughter? Um, obviously, I think if I didn't have SMA and, and that wasn't a factor, then yeah, we would definitely have more children. But we're very content with B. I think if we do decide to have another child, we probably will wait a little bit longer, you know, maybe when she's four can kind of consider it where she's a little bit older and, and definitely more independent. She's like I said, she's independent now, but they get and more independent, hopefully as they get older. So. And, and what advice would you have for other women with rare conditions thinking about getting pregnant? Yeah, I think my biggest suggestion is you know yourselves better than most people and people are going to have their opinions. I um, like I said, I know so many more moms now that have SMA that have had children and it is so, so, so wonderful to see it. Um, I have a friend, um, Tanya, she just gave birth fairly recently and, um, you know, her doctor suggested she not get pregnant. She not have children because her SMA was a little bit more progressed. And so, um, I think a lot of people are going to have their opinions and I think people are going to say, you know, you can't do this or it's not a good idea. But I think if you take a look at yourself and you take a look at your situation, and if you think that you can do it, you can do it. I think that is the biggest thing is, uh, is knowing that you, you're the one that knows yourself better. And also going in it with, um, expectations that motherhood is going to look different. You know, I think that's just the, the reality of it. I, I follow quite a few different people within the SMA community or just the disability community. And um, some people will say, you know, motherhood doesn't look any different for us. And I understand where they're coming from. Um, You know, we all want to be equal, but when it comes down to it, motherhood does look different for us. And I think it's, it's important for you to realize that you're going to have to come up with different ways. Like we had two cribs for the longest time because one crib I couldn't get B into because it was on the ground and lower. And um, then, you know, she couldn't sleep in the other one that worked for me because it was smaller. So, and then, like I said, we had the wild bird sling as basically the seatbelt. I had the giant pack and play that was lifted up on a coffee table and a couch. And most people would look at that and be like, that's not safe. But, I think you just need to recognize that motherhood is is going to look a little bit different, and that is okay. It looks different for everybody, disability or not. Um, so definitely do it if you have that desire, and don't let anybody tell you that you can't do it. Because in in the in the rare disease community, we're told a lot of the times we can't do things. And um, I don't know if anybody's like me, but when people tell me I can't do something, I'm like, yeah, watch me. I'm gonna do it. <laughs> Carly Hamilton, SMA patient advocate and mother. You can follow her on Instagram at Carly Hamilton. That's Carly with an I and Hamilton with three N's. Carly, thanks so much for your time today. Thank you so much. Good luck, everyone out there. Thanks for listening. For more information about rare disease and to connect to the rare disease community, go to globalgenes.org. To keep up on the latest news and trends affecting the rare disease community, be sure to visit raredaily.org. 
You can subscribe to the Rarecast RSS feed through raredaily.org or through SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, or your preferred podcast manager. The Rarecast is produced for Global Genes by the Levine Media Group. You can also find our podcast, The Bio Report, on these popular podcast sites. Our theme music is composed by Jonah Levine and performed by the Jonah Levine Collective. We'd love to hear from you. Drop us a note at danny at levinemediagroup.com. 